Welcome back to your haunted holiday. This is Lisa. And this is Lindsay. And Lindsay, today we are going to be traveling to one of Savannah's finest bed and breakfasts. I just have been dying to go to this place for so long. I've been excited and wanting to go to this place for years and years. So I'm just really looking forward to sharing our time at this location with all of our listeners. Me too. I This is one of those bucket list places that I have always wanted to go to. It's considered one of the most haunted places in all of Georgia. If you were to even just Google that, the Keogh House is definitely going to pop up. But not only is it haunted, it is just an absolutely amazing bed and breakfast. I, I would say most high-end place I think I've gone to in terms of like a bed and breakfast situation. No doubt. This is fancy folks this is the fanciest place we've ever probably been on this show so get ready this is your haunted holiday at the keogh house in savannah georgia Okay, guys, so let me just say, before we jump into this episode, we have a new option for additional episodes for everybody, Patreon. So we are launching this week our brand new Patreon page that we're excited to share with everybody. There's going to be multiple options, so we're going to be releasing an additional episode every single month. The cool thing about this episodes are that because we are, this show is very much focused around making sure it's a place that you can actually travel to and we give you the travel tips in the review, our Patreon can expand beyond those boundaries. So on those episodes, we're going to be talking about pretty much anything paranormal, but I will say this week, I am going to be calling this week the Savannah Extravaganza. <laughs> essentially, because we're covering the Keogh house in Savannah and our first Patreon episode launch, which is out there, go to yourhauntedholiday.com or just go to patreon.com and search our show if you want to see the options out there for subscriptions. This week on it, we're covering our recent trip as well to the Marshall house and the Sorrel Weed house. We already did full episodes on both of those. Those were our first two episodes actually ever for this show. So if you haven't listened to them, go check them out. They're good ones. And then our Patreon features some of the most recent tidbits that we had for those from those trip that wouldn't make like a complete episode without all of the history and backstory behind it. But I will say we did encounter some stuff at the Sorrel Weed House, some stuff that I to this day am a little bit like shocked by, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So if you guys need your YHH fix, go to patreon.com or yourhauntedholiday.com. You're also going to have access to early release episodes as well. And supporting the show makes a big difference for us. It helps us to get equipment for our podcast. And it also helps us to continue to travel and, and, you know, do some of this stuff to, to throw out these episodes for everybody each week. Yes, absolutely. I'm just really excited to open the floodgates to everything paranormal because there's so many stories that I think of that I'm like oh my gosh this would be such a good episode and I'm like uh but it doesn't really fit into the travel format that type of stuff 
is going to be on Patreon. So we'll keep you updated as we release those episodes. Right now, it's one additional episode a month, but that might grow just kind of depending on our bandwidth, right? So you might see more of more than just one, but definitely go set up your subscription now if you want more Your Haunted Holiday. Are you ready to talk about the Keo House, Lindsay? Very ready. All right. So as I said, Today, this is one of the finest bed and breakfasts, and we will talk all about our experience at the Keo House. I mean, it is fancy. The, I, the service was phenomenal, and we'll talk to that. But let's talk about the history a little bit. So the house itself was built in 1892 by a man named William Keo, and he was a very wealthy businessman, one of the wealthiest in Savannah at the time. He um, specialized in like iron foundry and was the owner of this business. And he had a wife named Annie, as well as a lot of kids. Now, the house itself was built to kind of be a statement. At the time, the family owned a house across the street that was still a mansion. But then they decided to build their dream house, which is known today as the Keogh House. And it is like this, it's a four-story gigantic gigantic place it's one of the the most photographed mansions in all of savannah so we know how pretty a lot of the places are in savannah this one is right up there on that list lots of balconies and just very pretty so the keogh family were actually you know a lot of times in our shows we talk about like these horrible nasty people like last time was it the o'carroll clan was like the worst people ever terrible oh my gosh well this time These are actually nice, loving people. They take care of their family. They are very family-oriented. The wife, Annie, for example, was very known for, even though they had nannies and stuff like that, she would always be the primary caregiver, tucking her kids in at night and reading them stories and stuff like that. So these are good people. There's nothing really out there that says, like, oh, they were horrible like a lot of our episodes end up happening well they had 10 surviving children so when I say 10 surviving children we don't actually know how many of their other children may have passed away over the course of the years we do know some passed away we just don't know how many that is because back in the 1800s of course infants would unfortunately die quite often just from different illnesses and and things like that that would come up right so Annie Keogh and William had this very large family, 10 kids running around this gigantic mansion. And one of the more famous stories to come out of this, I will say, people say is not real. The, it's a story that is very well known. However, if you go to most historic resources, they're going to say there's no evidence of this actually occurring. Okay. So. They had two twin boys that were around the age of four and five. And one day, Annie came home. The two twins are missing. She is panicked. They are trying to look everywhere. They look all over the house. They cannot find these twin boys. The search continues for days. Eventually, they're just like, we don't know. They just disappeared, right? And then one day, an odor starts happening in the house and they decide to look into the chimneys where they found these two twin young boys bodies 
decaying because they had been somehow up in the chimney. They could not find their way out and ended up dying. Horrible. Like, that is, I hope that story is not true. I have to say, I mean, I I just can't even imagine. I can't either. It really is horrible. What, how the story goes, what they think happened is these two kids were trying to play hide and go seek and took it a little bit too far, climbed up into the chimney. I've also heard versions of it where they climbed up in the chimney playing hide and go seek and it was a cold night and they lit the chimneys not knowing that they were in there and they ended up dying of smoke inhalation in the fireplace. So a couple different versions that are out there that are well known, that are heard on a regular basis, but again, absolutely no evidence that that actually occurred. Right. But I mean, it's hard to say, I mean, because it was so long ago. What About what time frame was this? Probably early 1900s, 1800s, because they moved into the house in 1892. So it'd probably be the late 1800s when they think this could have potentially happened. Right. So it wasn't so long ago that we don't have records of things, you know, but still it's it's hard to say, right? Yeah, I'm also going to agree with you. I think it probably didn't happen based on my research, but it could have, you know, uh, is what I guess I would say. Now, regardless of whether or not that happened, we know that there was at least 10 children in this household running around the halls on a regular basis. We know that several children did pass away in this home. We just don't know how many, right? After the Kios passed away, the house got handed off to their heirs. They eventually sold it and it was turned into a mortuary. And this gets brought up, I feel like, quite common on this show where some place that is today a restaurant or whatever was a mortuary at some point in time. No doubt about it. I mean, we had a place in Oklahoma and then also one, I think, I want to say it was in Washington, you know, where hauntings tend to just linger there because there were so many dead people there. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, most of the 1900s, the Keogh house was a mortuary. So it had a long period of time where it was housing dead bodies, holding services, that kind of thing. In 1980, this is really interesting, Joe Namath, the football player, actually purchased the property and he bought it for $80,000, which can oh you imagine? Gosh. I it's, cannot imagine. And this thing is, this place is huge, this, this mansion. I mean, and it's in Savannah, which has high property. I mean, 1980s, it's a different time, but $80,000. Right. $80,000 is crazy. It's like a multi-million dollar mansion today. I couldn't even, I have no idea how much it could possibly even be worth today. But, and originally, he was going to turn this house into a nightclub. Okay, that was his, which actually, with all the balconies and stuff, I could see it being a pretty cool nightclub if somebody did that. But, like, all of the neighbors were furious. Like, I think the Historic Society of Savannah was like, oh my gosh, you can't turn the Keogh house into a nightclub, right? right? All up in arms. So eventually he changed his mind. The pressure, 
you know, actually did make an impact. He decided he was going to just renovate it a bit. He renovated it. A couple years later, he sold the house, made a profit, sold it for $530,000 to people that decided to turn it into a bed and breakfast. Um, And it was a nice bed and breakfast. In 2003, it actually got purchased by a very renowned um, hotel company that is known for being like top tier in service and it was renovated again to be made even fancier than it already was and now it is what it is today probably the nicest or if not one of the nicest in all of savannah i mean it is just if you guys could just see the scale of how big this house is i mean if you just go to the elevator you can go on the side of the road and you can see the elevator section that is built to get people. I mean, the nice thing is they do have a nice big elevator. So if you're staying in one of the top floors, you don't have to take the stairs every time. But just the elevator shafts like have these big windows that you can see from the street with these like chandeliers in each one. I mean, it is so cool. It's it's massive, this place. It really is. It is pretty incredible. This is Lisa, and are you ready to embark on the adventure of a lifetime? You've heard me delve into the world of haunted travel, exploring eerie locations, and uncovering spine-chilling tales. And now I'm thrilled to announce the launch of something very special to me, which is my own travel agency, brought to you by Your Haunted Holiday. As our listeners know, I'm not just passionate about haunted travel, I live and breathe it. From researching the most haunted destinations to planning unforgettable journeys, I'm here to make your travel dreams a reality. Whether you're seeking the thrill of a haunted location or craving a getaway to somewhere a little less spine tingling, I've got you covered. And here's the best part, my services are absolutely free. Let me put my travel skills to good use by helping you plan the perfect escape. Simply visit yourhauntedholiday.com and click on the Travel Agency by Lisa link at the top of the page in the menu. So where will your next adventure take you? Let's make it a journey you'll never forget. Contact Your Haunted Holiday Travel Agency today and let's start planning. Your adventure awaits. Okay, so the hauntings at this place, there is a lot of activity going on. What I can say for some of you that might be a little bit nervous about going to some of these scarier haunted places, there is seriously nothing here that I saw that seemed mean. In fact, it really seemed like nice spirits for the most part, or spirits that are even oblivious to you even being there. A lot of residual stuff. The most common thing that you are going to want to look for if you stay at the Keo house is the sound of children playing. They had a very large family, as we said. They think that this is largely residual. It doesn't seem to be interacting with the people very much. But what people will hear is a ton of like footsteps and voices, like little chatter of little kids running through the hallways, running up and down the stairs, and just making like creepy kid noises. <laughs> right? Creepy. Yeah, little 
little kids that are dead running around noises. Um, Creepy but harmless all the same. Creepy but harmless. They do think that most of the stuff with the little kids tends to be residual hauntings there i did see one report where it did appear to be maybe a a little kid that was interacting with one of the guests as they slept so maybe there is some intelligent hauntings with the children but most reports are creepy running around and playing noises the other person that they think is haunting this place is Annie Keogh, the mother. And she is actually most seen on the second and third floors, which is where their bedrooms were at the time. And she is seen in rooms 201 and 203 most often. She will actually, she's supposed to be a very friendly spirit because she's being very motherly. People will actually see her sit on their bed people will feel the sensation of having their cheeks kissed like she's saying like good night and like tucking them in they also will feel the sensation of like a hand on their forehead almost as if like their mother is checking their temperature to make sure you know they're not ill that kind of thing so friendly ghost that is like tucking you in at night Yeah, I mean, creepy, right, to get tucked in, but sounds like a friendly ghost, probably residual, you know, just going through the motions of what, you know, she, because to me, it's probably residual because you're obviously not her child, right? But she seems to be acting like you are. So sounds like these are things that were just regular kinds of actions that she would take probably on a nightly basis. Totally. And in addition to, you know, having her tuck you in at night, she will also be seen sometimes actually doing stuff, not necessarily even recognizing that you're there. Like she's been seen in, uh, I think it was room 203, sitting at the desk in the room and like writing something, but not actually acknowledging the people. And the other thing you should look for on the second and third floor is the smell of roses. Apparently that is an indicator of Annie Keogh's perfume when she was alive. These are all great things to know if you guys go book a stay here. The other person that they believe is haunting this house is William Keogh. So it's basically like the entire Keogh household They're all still is there. here in some shape or form. And William's office back in the day when they lived there was on the very top floor. So it's like the top window in the house, which some reports online indicate that it's unoccupied. But when we were there, I'm pretty sure the corporate offices were in this particular room. So they there are claims that at night when it is unoccupied, you may see a light coming from that room as if Mr. Keogh is up there working. Right, and I, I'm pretty positive it is the corporate office. One of the woman, women mentioned that to us while we were staying there, and it was it had like a locked door. We ventured all the way up there. Like we got, we went to as much of the place we could get to. Yes. The other thing that they think might have been William Keogh, but they're not entirely sure what this could have possibly been. So the Keogh house, for the most part during the day, you can just open the door, come in and out and see the front desk clerk. But at night, they lock the door and there is a doorbell. But the front windows have a significant amount of glass in them. So you can kind of see through a bit to see who's on the other side. So the front desk clerk in the middle of the night hears the doorbell ring. 
looks out the door. There's nobody there. She can see that there's nobody there because there's nobody on the other side of the glass. So just leaves it. Suddenly, apparently, the door unlocked on its own and swung open. And she thinks it was William Keogh just entering his own house. Right. He's just coming home. Right. But that would that would scare me. I, one of my biggest fears is like a door physically closing in front of me. If this is opening, but still like something moving to that significance is a little frightening. What I'm more afraid of is being like closed in to, to a room and like yeah. can't get out of the room. Because then it's like, why are they locking me in here? If there's a spirit that is closing the door behind me and locking me in, what is the purpose? What are they planning on doing? To scare the crap out of you, probably. Now, when we were there, we did talk to some people that work there, some of which were really into telling us the ghost stories. Other people were like, "Mm, I don't really get into that because they're kind of more scared of it. They believe in it, but they don't want to open themselves up to anything by discussing it, especially since, you know, they work there. So we bring this up briefly in our Patreon episode this week as well, but we'll kind of tell you, it sounds like whoever owns the Keo house also owns the Marshall house in like another hotel or two in Savannah. It's a, it's actually a parent company that owns them all. And so this woman was telling us about her experiences at the Marshall house. And then she got into a few things as well at the Keo house. And she was so funny. She's actually from where I currently live in Marietta right now. And she had just recently moved out to Savannah like the previous year. And she was so funny because she was saying, "Uh, I don't want any part of this. I don't acknowledge spirits. I don't acknowledge the ghosts, but I mean, they're here. (laughs) So she told us some stuff, even though she didn't really want to. Yeah, she'd be like, well, there is this one story, you know, that happened. Right, Right. (laughs) kind of how it went. Let me fill you in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then there was another woman that was working there who was all about telling us the stories because she knew we were there because we wanted to see some ghosts. We made that clear. Yeah, and they were very accommodating to that. You know, even the front desk clerk was like, you know, I haven't experienced anything, but I know the lady who's going to be here later tonight. She has. So even though it's a really fancy place, if you say, I want to experience some ghosts, they're going to tell you their stories. And one of those that was kind of funny that she had mentioned, because I think this one woman primarily works in the kitchen area, and they were having some sort of banquet in one of the upstairs room where they were having to bring food up there. And her sister needed to go upstairs to meet her, but didn't want to go down like the main stairway. So she kind of took the sideway through like the fire exit. And apparently the whole time, She was coming down the stairs, which takes a long time because it's four stories. She could hear the little pitter-patter of kids' footsteps following behind her. And it totally freaked her out. And she goes and tells her sister, like, oh my gosh, I heard these little kids' footsteps behind me the whole time. And her sister's like, well, you know, it's haunted by the Keogh kids. And she goes, oh my gosh, I am never going back in there. And she (laughs) never went back into the Keogh house. Yeah, that was the lady that definitely, she spent a lot of time working in the kitchen, but she helped a lot of the guests too. And she had some good stories. She was funny to talk to. And I think knowing that, like, this this is a fancy place, you know, so they're going to give you really good service. So if you want to know about ghosts, they're going to tell you about the ghosts. Totally. 
Now, the other thing that happened that was interesting, so the one lady who didn't really want to talk about it, but did at the same time, she said that sometimes guests will, and this is something I had not heard anywhere else, guests would um, see the, sh- the statues in the lobby area moving on their own a little bit, like their facial features moving. And one of the guests came up to her and said, oh my gosh, you have to come over here and see this. I'm telling you, the statue moved. And she was like, uh, no, I will not be going over there. <laughs> She's like, I'm sure it moved, but I'm not going over there to look. <laughs> exactly. So something interesting to look for when you're there. I've never seen anything even remotely like that. But there are stories of things like that happening at some haunted places. The other thing that you should look for while you're there, according to these workers, are some like shadowy like figures. You know, they were telling us about this one lady who was there staying there for an entire week and she was there hunting ghosts the entire time. And she finally, I think it was like her last day, was like walking through the hall and followed this shadow around several different corners, but it was like a shadow-like figure without any Mm -hmm. real features, which is kind of creepy, way scarier than the kids, I would think. Yeah, and also that one woman that was not really wanting to talk about the ghost, but did, she mentioned that she had someone who, you know, one of the staff members, it was like, hey, will you go up to the, you know, the fourth floor with me? I've got to go up there and clean it. I really don't want to go up there. I'm freaked out. She's like, just head on up there. Like, just go up there. I'm not going there with you. <laughs> so even the staff, to some extent, it sounds like, understands there are ghosts there. And, you know, some of them are more afraid than others, including folks that need to just go up there and, like, maybe, you know, clean a room. They get kind of nervous. I mean, we're only human. It would be nerve-wracking to go up there by by yourself. I would imagine, especially at night. Yeah. Totally. The last story that we heard while we were there, which is another one that I did not read anywhere online, this is exclusive to talking to the employees there, is they were saying that there was a guest staying there and they saw this man that they thought was somebody working there and they went up to him and asked him a question, something like, what time is, you know, the hors d'oeuvres or something, right? And the man responded back, let me check with Mr. Willie. He should be back soon. And so the lady said, okay. They kind of went and did their own things. And then she never heard back from this guy. So the lady went to another employee and said, hey, I was asking this other guy about when the hors d'oeuvres were. And he said he was going to check with Mr. Willie. Well, Mr. Willie is, they think, William Keogh. And they think that she was actually talking to his, like, right-hand man assistant, I guess, who was the only person that would not call him William, but reference him as Willie. And so they're pretty certain that William Keogh's right-hand man is also haunting this place and interacting with people and responding to them. So cool. What an amazing, you know, when they told us that story, I was like, that's really neat. I mean, it sounds like there's even like full bodied apparitions here that you can interact with. That would be just an amazing encounter. I 
will say that we unfortunately did not really have any ghostly encounters. Now we went all up and down the floors. We had our K2 with us. We had our spirit box and we really tried to get some sort of an interaction. You know, we were staying on the main floor in the bedroom there and I did hear the the bathroom door in the middle of the night start to kind of making a creaking noise that I could not recreate. I tried to recreate it the next day. So I don't know if there was a spirit trying to shut that door or do something. I don't know. It's completely inconclusive. That That's the only little bit that I have. But like we say, ghost hunting is like whale watching. You just can't guarantee that you're going to run across something, but it is always fun to do your best and try to catch something. And the other thing I will say is we only stayed one night here because this was actually a huge bucket list splurge for us. This is more money than I'm typically willing to spend when I go on a vacation. So the other two nights, we were there three nights in Savannah on this trip. Two of the nights we stayed at the Marshall House. And then the final night we stayed at the Keogh House because we could really only afford one day here. I mean, honestly, like it's a to me it's like a dream and what a blessing that we actually were able to go to the Keogh house but even though we didn't really experience anything paranormal other than what was inconclusive with that door that you had mentioned the stay was not disappointing because like we said at the top of the show I think this might be the fanciest place we've ever been it's at the very least the best service I've ever experienced at any hotel no doubt about it by far Now, it is actually rated on TripAdvisor.com the number one bed and breakfast in Savannah. And there's a lot of bed and breakfast in Savannah. So that is saying something. I would say it's also a lot of people go to their honeymoons here. They have weddings here. A lot of people are there for romantic purposes. So me and Lindsay were kind of the oddball, oddballs in the group. We were like just the sisters that are ghost hunting. Meanwhile, everybody else is like drinking their champagne and having their roses and chocolate. (laughs) Exactly. But guys, it's still worth going. So maybe go with your, you know, significant other. If you have one, great. It's perfect for that. But you can go either way. Totally. I will say say kids are not allowed there. So you can rule out real kids when you hear kids running around the hallways or laughing. There's no kids that can stay here. This is an adult-only bed and breakfast. That's a good point. And that's one thing, as somebody who doesn't have kids, I kind of appreciate about it a little bit. And also, even if I did have kids, it's nice to get away from them from time to time and go to a no-kid place, right? It is... an adult vacation spot so anyway so it was very nice I will say when we went to go check in they immediately before we even did any of the check-in stuff they offered us complimentary wine which we had been walking around all day we went to the Mercer house and did a tour there it was hot so I just wanted a diet coke at the time but I mean it was almost like all you can drink alcohol at this place I mean they were like just let us know if you need a refill yeah. Want some champagne? What do you want? Right? Right. I mean, it was it was nice. It was all included in it, which and then as soon as that happened and she stepped away to go get our Diet Cokes, Lindsay said, How much is this place costing us? Because I had put it on my credit card and I was like, We'll talk about it after. <laughs> 
So we check in, we get our Diet Cokes. I will say the room was very nice. We were staying on the main floor. It had really high ceilings. I think they were like 15 foot ceilings or something crazy and tall windows. We had a really good view. The bathroom leaves a little bit to be desired. It was nothing fancy, but I will say, I think some of the other rooms in the place probably have nicer bathrooms. I think it just depends yeah. on the, the room that you get. I, I will say it was very grand, right? With those high ceilings. And then you walk in and there's like little parlor rooms and like cool, like they have a big um, grand piano in there that you can play. If you're a piano player, they'll let you come in and play. They've got the fireplaces in there. I mean, it's just beautiful, you know, with these like really cool old like couches. It just, the style even fits the house but Lisa's right about the bathroom at least in our room I would say for that price point you would think the bathroom would be a little bit more updated I'm not disappointed because I had a blast and it was so nice the service was worth it but the bathroom definitely left a little bit to be desired yeah now in the evening they also have hors d'oeuvres and I think they switch them up every day where you get more wine or champagne whatever you want to drink and then hors d'oeuvres. They had like these little crab taquito things that were really good. Like, yeah, it was, it was good delicious. Herbs too. And like everything that they bring you is on a silver platter. Like, no joke. I'm not even exaggerating. Our little crab taquitos and drinks, they delivered to us in one of the lounges on a silver platter. It was pretty funny. I noticed that too. I was like, oh, it's all delivered on a silver platter. Yeah. Then in the evening, so we went out, we, you know, we ate dinner or whatever, come back and they're offering us dessert, which was carrot cake and more wine. And we were able to sit on the, the balcony just outside of our room and watch all the ghost tours go by because this is one of the more haunted places in Savannah. I mean, we probably saw 20 different tours of people walking by this place and it was great people watching just sitting out there eating carrot cake enjoying some wine on the balcony before we went to bed it was it was really nice and I love going to places where the ghost tours go by like if you guys are someone who who's been to Savannah it's a ghost town and they've got ghost tours everywhere and it's always cool to you know walk out of your hotel and there's like oh all these people want to stay in this hotel and you guys should totally book it. Like if you can pull it, just it's worth it. Totally. Now in the morning, I was really impressed by this. So when you check in, they give you like a little breakfast sheet that says, okay, here's what we're making. You can order fruit or whatever. But so you basically circle what you want, but they're like, if you don't want any of this and you want a pancake, write it down. We'll make you a pancake. Right. And I think I had like fruit and crab Benedict, which was delicious. I think I had grits, very Southern iced tea. I think you could order mimosa if you wanted to. I wasn't in the mood to, but it was fantastic. You got some other kind of thing too, didn't you? Yeah, it was like a blueberry bread pudding kind of thing. So it was almost like a French toast, but with blueberries it was delicious. I mean, it was like one of those pastry kind of, you know, almost pancakey thing that comes with like a syrup. I mean, it was it was delicious. It, it was, was not disappointing at all. The breakfast is if you go there, you have to stick around for the breakfast. Do not skip out. 
no. The breakfast is totally worth it. Phenomenal. All included. It's part of what you're buying, right? So when you stay at this place, you're purchasing your room, you're purchasing breakfast, you're basically purchasing hors d'oeuvres, evening dessert, and pretty much all the wine and soda that you want to drink on this stay. The other thing that was nice about the breakfast is we were able to have it delivered to the balcony. And so we just, or you could have it delivered to your room or wherever, but we had it. And of course it was served on silver platters and they brought it out to the balcony, put it on the table. So we were able to enjoy the view and everything while eating the delicious breakfast. I mean, I gotta say it was a little too fancy. It was, it was nice. Yeah, no doubt. It would it would be some place that would be really nice if it was like a romantic weekend or something. I could see it being a really great experience for that. So if you do want to stay here, I will say during the week and the time, depending on when in the week you book, if it is midweek, the prices are significantly lower. So if you want to get a deal on it, I would definitely recommend going on like a Wednesday or a Thursday or something like that. Prices seem to be a little bit less actually not too bad for what you get around 170 which is pretty good depending on the time of year now that is going to jump up just again depending on all those different factors and the room that you select it can range up to like four or five hundred dollars a night so it goes up in price pretty rapidly you can look at their website for, it has a nice calendar on there where it will tell you what the cheapest rate is for that particular day. So you can easily see, okay, on this day, I can maybe get in for 170 That's not so bad. I can swing it, right? Unfortunately, we booked a Saturday, and so we didn't pay 170 but it was totally worth it. Well, let me just say, guys, that the Keo house is worth it. So like Lisa said, if you don't want to pay those weekend rates, book it during a ultimately like a weekday look at their calendar find the times where it's more affordable because it's such a neat place lots of potential to, to run into a, to a spirit and you just get such good service and, and food when you're there so definitely book well before we wrap up this episode we got an amazing email from a kin that listens to the show and he wanted to share with us his story when he was actually staying overseas in Europe and he calls this Hotel Mediterraneo. Um, So this is a place that he was staying. I think it was in Italy, actually. His story, he's really a good writer and he wrote us this kind of nice long story of his experience that he had while he was there. So I'm not going to read the entire story because it would just be too long to do it in the podcast. So I'm just going to highlight a few sections of this story and then what I'll do is I'll actually I got his permission to post the full version on our website yourhauntedholiday.com so if you guys want to see this go to the the episodes page and we'll post this along with the episode for the Keo house so that's where you can go to find the full version of this so ultimately what Akin writes is you know he's staying over in this nice hotel in Europe with his wife and he says The hotel was so empty that the only person we met at the breakfast was a single old man in his early 70s. During the second day of our stay, we were able to chat for a little bit with this old man and learn that he was from England, and the purpose of his stay was similar to ours, to visit and explore the touristic attractions of the Lecce region. It was an interesting coincidence to have this British man accompany us during the breakfast time, 
every morning, but considering that he had also had a busy daily travel schedule to fulfill, it was understandable to a certain degree for this coincidence. And then he says the next day, this is one of the last days that they're staying there. He says, while waiting for the coffee to be prepared at the bistro at the far opposite side of the corridor, I saw the old British man approaching towards me along the hallway. To my surprise this time, he was not alone with a lady was walking next to him. First, I thought she was someone staying at the hotel and she would walk outside through the main entrance of the hotel or come join us for breakfast. But the lady was walking so close to him that they just looked like a couple from an outsider's eyes. As far as I know, the British man was staying alone and we knew no one around who was familiar with him to walk side by side as if they had some sort of companionship. I cannot hold myself and to satisfy my curiosity, I again turned my head towards them and checked whether the lady had chosen to exit the door or separate from the British man. The answer is no. They kept walking together and almost approaching the place where I was waiting for the coffee. I looked at the corner of my eye to the lady to understand more about her attributes. She was tall, although not as much as the British man, and looked like at a similar age of him. And so continuing in this story, he, you know, akin talks to his wife, and she didn't see anyone with the old man during this time. So now they're like, completely perplexed and confused so when they're about to check out they said after breakfast we went back to our room and packed our luggage completed the checkout procedure at the front desk then we went to our car i would not call it as to my surprise but rather would use the word as the fate plays out its scenario again we ran into the old british man at the parking lot before leaving the hotel this time I wouldn't let it go. Strongly determined, I approached him and asked him about his thoughts regarding the incident I witnessed yesterday, and I did. He listened to the detailed explanation of the occurrences without interruption to the end and showed no sign of surprise or disbelief. After I finished my story and asked him whether he had seen anyone walking beside him at the hallway to the breakfast room, he said, quote, definitely not. There was no one walking beside me along the hallway. And he continued the conversation by asking me a question the lady you saw beside me, was she tall or short? To which I responded, she was quite tall. Then he answered, my wife was short in height. If she was tall, she must have been my mother. She had a habit of following me wherever I went when she was alive. And then there's some other follow-up stuff there. So if you guys want to read the full version of this, I really didn't do it full justice. Go to our website and go check it out. What an amazing story. I mean, for him to see that and then get kind of, it's like the British man acknowledge like oh it was probably my mother right like he seemed to be aware and believing that this is what occurred totally very wild interesting story i love stories like that thank you so much for sending that in yeah no doubt so everyone if you would like to go read that go to yourhauntedholiday.com also if you want to send us your own ghost story or even just a recommendation for a new episode or both go to our website hit contact us and you can send us an email right through there you can also follow us on facebook instagram youtube twitter and don't forget about our new patreon there's extra episodes out already for you to go listen to thanks for listening and have a great week stay safe and healthy everybody 